Good morning to Sri Radha Kalachanji Dam. Good morning to all of the assembled devotees. We are reading from First Canto, Srimad Bhattam, seventh chapter, text twelve. Yes, text twelve. And the chapter is on the son of Drona punished. There's Asbatama. Before we read the text, we always like to be in the mood of some degree of blissfulness by singing Dayarada Madhava. Ja 
fortunate to even be here and in our bodies at this time. And it's always a special mercy to be able to come before the Lord, whether it's in your home or whether it's in the temple. However, I find that I have even more association when I'm at the temple, so I count this as a special mercy of Radha Kalachanji. Each time we're reading the scriptures, we're definitely going to pick up something different, something new that was not understood by our minds before. So we'll continue with text 12. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Gnyanatamarandasya Gananjananchalakaya Chakshu Onmilitam Yena Tashmai Shri Guruve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadandikam Text 12 Text 12 Janmakama Vilapanam Samstacha Panduputranam Vakshe Krishna Kadodayam Parikshito Tarajashe Janmakama Vilapanan Samstacha Panduputranam Vakshe Krishna Kadodayam Parikshito Tarajashe Janmakama Vilapana Samstacha Panduputranam Vakshe Krishna Kadodayam Would anyone like to repeat? Parikshito Tarajasha Janmakama Vilapanam Samstacha Padumputranam Vakshi Krishna Kadodayam Parikshitata Rajashe Janmakama Vilapanam Samstachapadu Putranam Bakshi Krishna Kadodayam Parikshita 
of King Parikshit. Atta, thus, Rajashe, of the king who was the Rishi among the kings. Janma, birth, kama, activities, vilapanam, deliverance, samstam, renunciation of the world. Cha, and, Panduputranam, of the sons of Pandu. Vakshe, I shall speak. Krishnakata Udayam, that which gives rise to the transcendental narration of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which gives rise to transcendental narration of the personality of Godhead. The translation here is, Sutta Goswami has addressed the rishis, headed by Shanaka. Now, I shall begin with, I shall begin the transcendental narration of the Lord Sri Krishna and topics of birth, activities, and deliverance of King Parikshit, the sage amongst kings, as well as topics of the renunciation of the worldly order by the sons of Pandu. Again, Sutta Goswami thus addressed the rishis, headed by Shanaka. Now, I shall begin the transcendental narration of the Lord Sri Krishna and topics of the birth, activities, and deliverance of King Parikshit, the sage amongst kings, as well as topics of the renunciation of the worldly order by the sons of Pandu. Purport. Lord Krishna is so kind to the fallen souls that he personally incarnates himself amongst the different kinds of living entities and takes part with them in daily activities. Any historical fact, old or new, which has a connection with the activities of the Lord is to be understood as a transcendental narration of the Lord. Without Krishna, all the supplementary literatures like the Puranas and the Mahabharata are simply stories of historical facts. But with Krishna, they become transcendental. And when we hear of them, we at once become transcendentally related with the Lord. Srimad Bhagavatam is also a Puranya, but the special significance of this Puranya is that the activities of the Lord are central and not just supplementary historical facts. Srimad Bhagavatam is thus recommended by Lord Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu as the spotless Purana. There is a class of less intelligent devotees of the Bhagavad Purana who desire to relish at once the activities of the Lord narrated in the 10th canto without first understanding the primary cantos. They are under the false impression that the other Cantos are not concerned with Krishna. And thus, more foolishly than intelligently, they take to the reading of the tenth canto. These readers are specifically told herein that the other cantos of the Bhagavatam are as important as the tenth. 
no one should try to go into the matters of the tenth canto without having thoroughly understood the purport of the other nine cantos. Krishna and his pure devotees, like the Pandavas, are on the same plane. Krishna is not without his devotees of all the rasas. And the pure devotees, like the Pandavas, are not without Krishna. The devotees of the Lord are interlinked and they cannot be separated. Therefore, talks about them are all Krishna kata, or topics of the Lord. Please forgive me today if I go off topic. I have a tendency to do that because I'll write down the notes, put them at the lotus feet of my guru and Krishna, and let them decide what we'll talk about. So, Stay with me on this. Um, the twelfth canto is kind of like an introduction to a movie. It's telling you exactly what you're going to experience or read. And in a sense, it's kind of like a preview of the coming attraction. So it's a little brief. But we'll try to get, we're going to get the most out of it. Now, it makes a point as to what is being covered. But initially, the scene has already been set for what's about to take place. We see the elevated sages are on the banks of Namasaranya, Yasudev is having a conversation with the Goswami. And as we go on, there'll be two different conversations taking place throughout the scriptures, but you'll know who. Thank you. You'll know who. Thank you. You'll know what's going on and who's speaking uh, as time goes on. What is important is that Whenever we're talking about transcendental information, conversations, situations, it's important to have the right atmosphere, to be situated in the right surroundings, in the right atmosphere. Fortunately, we're in Kalachanji Dam. The atmosphere is most perfect because we are at the lotus feet of their lordships. It can't get any better than this. So in the proper mindset, one is able to understand the transcendental qualities to some degree. Because with Krishna, they're unlimited, totally unlimited. And the major ones are listed here in the Srimad Bhagavatam. What will be covered is the conversation that Sukadev Goswami is having. Now, Sukadev Goswami, as we know, was born a liberated soul, even in the womb of his mother. It's a very special soul. He didn't need any additional training. So they wonder, there, there was a question earlier in some of the texts as to why is he reading this? He doesn't, it's not even necessary for him. And it goes on to explain how thoroughly happy and excited he is to read 
the rasas, the, the pastimes of the Lord. Which is why this is not a waste of time for him to read the Srimad Bhagavatam to King Pariksit. It is also going to give us a background of who this king of kings, King Pariksit is, his birth, all the time in between his birth and leading up to the point where he is sitting at the banks, at the feet of Sukadev Goswami, hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam for the period of time that he has left on earth. Also, we'll find out about the life and the particular order that the Pandus play in the world. So purport text 12 is a leading up to an event. What's also important is at the end of the text, the purport, it is understood that one should not behave like a sahajya. You don't go straight to the rasas and the transcendental relationships that are totally pure in text 10. Reading the Srimad Bhagavatam is for our liberation, for our understanding the Lord. And if we're lucky, we get to read it in the order numerically from one through not picking and choosing. There's a way that this is set up so that we can best understand it. It was written perfectly. It is very difficult to have the mindset of a material soul, a material being, to think you can understand Canto 10. It, you, it's, it's not done. And besides... It's like someone, and, and there is no comparison to the Lord because none of us can be compared to the Lord, but it's like you're meeting someone and instead of getting a grounding, a foundation of who they're about, they immediately go into other activities that are very personal and you get nothing from it. The whole purpose is learning about Krishna, trying to understand him, realizing there is no greater love in your life. No greater love. Someone that loves, devoted to you and protects you. And as you're reading the pastimes of the Lord, if you are fortunate enough, you will develop some sweet feeling of what is taking place, canto after canto. And you're realizing in each one, there's a lesson. There are lessons throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam. Every situation, every possible situation you can have in your lifetime, it's in the Srimad Bhagavatam. How it may come about what happens during the process and how to deal with it. They're all instructions. And you'll find that sometimes Krishna may have to chastise like a parent, but like a loving parent. And you develop a love for Krishna. You develop this feeling of love. And you also begin, hopefully, if you are fortunate enough, to develop the mood of Sadhana bhakti, you want to serve Krishna. You don't get that immediately if you go straight to Canto 10. So, as I said, the point here is a preview of the coming attractions. Everyone enters the scriptures at a certain point. It is very important that if you have the opportunity to hear the scripture, 
no matter who's sitting up here, to try to take something from it. There's a lesson almost in every single, well, heck, there's a lesson in every single line of the scriptures. So if you miss anything that I'm saying, go back and read it again. Our point is, after many, many lifetimes that we've had, to finally get an opportunity to hear about who we are, who our Father, Mother, God is, because there is a balance. There's a male balance, there's a female balance, but that's another story. But the point is, we get to know who we are, whose family we're in, and we get to understand that in the process of us being here, we don't belong. But while we're here, we're fortunate enough to get familiar with our Father, to understand that we are not the controllers, to understand that he's the controller. And that's sometimes the most difficult thing for us to do and to accept, that Krishna is the supreme controller, that also the lives, our lives as they're being played out, as is affected by our karmic activities. Now we know that when we take diksha, guru takes the karma, but like the spinning fan, when you unplug it, it's still spinning. So even in this world, Krishna's loving us so much that to the degree that we are affected by previous lifetimes, even that is curtailed. Even if you look at the entire world right now and you see what is going on, you see what is going on, don't think it's an accident. Don't think, oh, Krishna, why'd you do this? We are affected by our cultural karma, by our Universal karma, every single one of us has passed the other for a reason. We, we have been together before, all of us, two, three, the three of us, we've crossed paths before. This is no accident. We are now trying to find what it is we need to do to be in our initial position of the uncontaminated spirit soul. And actually, the soul is uncontaminated. It's the body. It's our contact with material energy that throws us completely off track. But let me get back on, on track again. But everything that's going on right now and this may be debatable, this may be a controversial statement, but I'm going to make it anyway. It's not an accident that things are happening the way they're happening. It's not an accident. To the degree that things are happening, Krishna is controlling it. He didn't will it, but he's controlling it to a degree. So if there has ever been a time to take to the scriptures to understand what it is you need to do in a daily situation, in a crisis situation, this is the time to read the scriptures. This is the time if you've never chanted before. Now is the time to chant. It's kind of easy when things are going really good, you know, to kind of coast and lay back and just, eh, nonchalantly chant. It is very difficult sometimes to chant if you're not in the practice of it and if you are in a crisis situation. We're in a crisis situation. We are. We may not be in the middle of it, but we are part of it. Take seriously the fact that you are here. Take seriously the fact that this information is available to you in the scriptures. Understand. Understand. 
the Lord's potency, understand your purpose here. That too, if you're fortunate enough, you'll begin to understand that too. And as I said, with the lessons that are in the scriptures, in the Srimad Bhagavatam and in the Puranas, you may be lucky enough to know what it was or what it is you need to work on in order to stop this process of birth and death, to stop it completely. Just to serve the Lord. And then when time facilitates to go back home, back to Godhead. But it's not a boring process. It is a process where you take seriously, this is your life. Krishna has many, many names. Look, even the sun has many, many names, depending on what country you're from. When you speak of Krishna, of course, he is going to have unlimited names. So don't be distracted by the name. But you must understand that Krishna means all attractive. He is omnipotent. He is the supreme truth, the ultimate truth, the everything that there is. And I'm going for a higher word, but whatever it is, it's, it's Krishna. Don't be distracted by the, the pastimes that you'll come across in the book. It is your responsibility to understand your family. This is part, this is our family. This is our family that we're reading about. Yes, Krishna does have his blissful moments. As a matter of fact, wherever Krishna is, it's blissful. We'll also understand the purpose or how the, the Pandus are part of this worldly system. We'll understand the process of devotional service. And eventually we'll understand that is our process. After you've gone through trying to figure out the scriptures, reading it, and interpreting it in a particular way, when you come to understand it, you will understand your ultimate purpose is devotional service. And in the process of devotional service, without being so attached to liberation, you will be liberated. That is the substance of text 12. It's a preview of the coming attractions. Sukadev Goswami is a highly intelligent soul, very enlightened, and it's interesting how even though his background is not so classy. He comes from his mother was not very rich. Uh, and if my memory serves me correctly, it wasn't a highly uh, regarded family, but the point is, he was regarded by Krishna. He was taught, and this was his job. This was his responsibility to talk King Parikshit through these, what was it, seven days that he had to learn about life, to learn about what is it all about. So if you get absolutely nothing else from this text today, understand that the scene has been set, the mood has also been set, that you follow the transcendental history of the Srimad Bhagavatam, of our lives, because we're all we're part of it. Whatever universe that we were on some other time, and yes, I, I've got all my marvels, but yes, at some point we were on other universes. This is all about one big family, and we're just getting our memory refreshed as many times as necessary. And hopefully, at some point, we'll understand 
how fortunate we are to have the opportunity of these pastimes that are in the scriptures. How fortunate we are to have the instructions of acharyas, of gurus, to direct us as to what this is about, how it's being explained, and how we should take the information that's here. Don't take any of this information as a fantasy. It is no more fantasy than you sitting here and you not actually existing. You do exist in the material body, but you exist eternally as spirit souls. So this is serious information. And again, text 12 is specifically Sutta Goswami addressing the Rishis that are headed by Sanatta. And the translation again is that now I shall begin the transcendental narration of the Lord, Sri Krishna, and the topics of birth, activities, and deliverance of King Pradikshit, the sage amongst kings, as well as topics of renunciation of the worldly order by the sons of Pandu. And the other point that I want to make is, wherever Krishna is, it's transcendental. If it's taking down... If it's Nishrima Dave taking down or ending Hiranyakasipu's life, it's transcendental. If it is Krishna having a very pure, very transcendental interaction with the gopis and Radharani and the many wives, it is all transcendental. One experience, one particular experience of transcendental nature is the same as the other, which means that they're on the same level, which means that there is no difference in what's happening in text 1 through 9 as opposed to text 10. But that's what we're supposed to find out as we're going through reading the scriptures. I did say it was going to be quick because it is a actually a preview of the coming attractions. I'm giving you a little bit about why it is not something that we do going straight to text 10, because you get absolutely nothing from it. You won't until you understand who the personality is that's being talked about, and you understand that that is not all the scripture's about. You're not going to get liberation in the sense that you want liberation from going to text 10. Do it in order. As a matter of fact, anything in life that's worthwhile, do it in the order that it's supposed to come in, and you'll get the most benefit. So, I'll end at this point. Does anyone have any points or questions that you might want to ask? Anything that wasn't clear? Do we have the mic so everybody can hear you? It's, go ahead and I'll just repeat back. The fact that we're family? The fact that the scriptures are about our family is, also mentioned here when it talks about Pandu's worldly position. We're all originating at some point as far as the scriptures are concerned, but we've always existed. We have always been a part of the Lord who has always existed. Every single entity, every single living entity, regardless of two-legged, four-legged, flying, crawling, and it gets a little squirmy here. But we are all a part of the Lord. We are all one big family. Now, to really understand that and to separate us from the things that crawl and the things that fly is another story. You have to follow the scriptures to find your place and not be thrown off track. Krishna is the father of fathers the supreme mother-father God 
as he has existed, we have also existed. We've never been born. We've always been. So is he. The point that we're here right now, in this material world, on this material planet called Earth, is that we got a little arrogant and a little puffed up, and we wanted to be like the Lord. And like a loving parent, he has allowed his child a playground to interact and play out the nonsense until they realize that there is only one father, and his desire is that we are all full of bliss, that we are all very much aware of the love that exists between the father and the child, and that every single child should be, in a sense, reflective of the parent. Now, that's probably not answering you exactly, but if you can just take the fact that we are all one family, if you can understand in the sense that Krishna, the head of the household, has innumerable, numerous entities that are all part of him, that are his family. And we happen to be in this two-legged form of the human body. And we have to understand that Speaking of the bodies that were really not these bodies, they're designated for a specific reason as to why we're here on the planet, but get the understanding that we're all spirit souls and we're all attached. We've all been together before. It's almost like we're in a dreamscape. We're in a state of a dream, and we're playing it out in this material universe. We actually love each other. We actually don't see the differences in the bodies. There is no, you, you take a knife and prick a part of the skin, we're all going to bleed the same color. These bodies are just interesting, that's all. And that's all it is. Nothing more. What we don't see right now with our eyes are the spirit souls. And that helps us to understand that out of these bodies, we understand that we are actually connected. We are actually family. It's just that these bodies throw us off track so often. So much so that we have a world that's divided, east, west, north, south. Different countries. Different countries. It was never like that. Initially, it was all one. And then a little, for lack of a better word, um, arrogance was set up. We begin to divide ourselves, not following the principles and the guidelines of the scriptures. We thought we were above all that. We got a little sidetracked. So what we're seeing here are fragmented parts of a relationship that was initially one big relationship. That was one big family. And because of our, because of our contact with material nature, we've just kind of messed it up. But all is not lost. We have the instructions to understand again who we are. That in your lifetime, you've had the body of a male. In your lifetime, you've had the body of a female. Kind of hard to, to sift through, but it's true. The color of your skin has been totally different. That's the part that confuses us. Understand you are spirit soul, and when I say we're family, we are family. We are family regardless of what your eyes see. And Krishna is the Supreme Father, and how we are joined as a family is even better explained in the scriptures. I'm sorry I went off on uh, so long on that, but do you have an understanding of how 
I mean, you were born in a particular family with a uh, material body. The entire universe, all the entire entities have always existed in the spiritual world as a family. We've just kind of fallen from grace a little bit, but we are all one big family. We are suffering from illusion right now. Thank you for asking. The question was how we were all one big family. Uh, Please tell me your name again. Anuradha Devi Dasi. Thank you for asking that question. Hare Krishna. Any other questions or any other comments or anything that you want to ask, please feel free to do so. All right, so you mentioned that. Uh, yes, Prabhu. You said something about liberation. How devotees don't care so much about liberation. Did, did I say they don't care so much? That's what I thought you said. Okay, so let's just say we, that's what I said. They, maybe it's that we don't understand what liberation is and the process of it, and because we're so used to being in these material bodies and being in contact with material nature that to be liberated for some entities or some spirit souls would be would mean to them that they would not have control over what's going on that they would not be able to enjoy as they're accustomed to in this material world But when one understands that liberation is actually surrendering to the Lord who is in full control, that there is nothing that we could possibly want that is good for us, that the Lord does not want for us, and that the most difficult thing sometimes, one of the most difficult and humbling things is actually surrendering ourselves to take fully the instructions of how to be liberated, the instructions in the cantos, text by text, canto by canto, gives an individual the steps and the process and the different scenarios of how liberation takes place. During Krishna's time here on earth, you want to add to it, Prabhu? We hear a lot about going back to Godhead, which I sounds like, like an equivalent to liberation, that you go to the spiritual world, never take birth again. At, at the same time, there's devotees who seem to never go back to Godhead. They just take birth with Lord Chaitanya and perform pastimes again again. They also, the associates of Krishna, they take birth in the material world. So, is it, are we striving to, for that liberation to go to the spiritual world or are we, are we striving to be part of, eternally part of Prabhupada's pastimes with Krishna? We actually are part of uh, of the pastimes, the eternal pastimes of the Lord, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if one takes birth in the association of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we would think one would be liberated to have the association of the Lord. Our goal should not be, as we're going through life, i got to get back to the spiritual world. It's going to happen when you understand the process that it takes. Because if your concern is getting back, you may miss some steps on how to get back to the spiritual world. Ultimately, on the devotional path, which one is to understand is our purpose to be on the devotional path, serving Krishna, serving a servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, When you understand that, you will eventually get back to Godhead. You will be liberated. 
it isn't something that one needs to stress about. It's something that one needs to learn how to do again. Because if you're here in this material world, in this, on this planet, you've forgotten something. And it's like taking the steps all over again to get back home. And that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to understand the process of liberation through devotional service because it will come eventually. It's not supposed to be your goal because if that's your goal, there are so many steps along the way that I would, this is my thinking, that I would believe that you would miss if you're just saying, I want to get back to the spiritual world. You will eventually. But understand that you're not the controller, that you are a servant, and that you are a servant of the Lord when you're serving his children nicely. The Lord doesn't miss what you do, whether it's good or not so good. He doesn't miss it. But he takes care of his devotees. And you become a devotee when you understand the process. When you understand the ultimate process of our relationship with the Lord. And it's actually to be with them. It's like the father that loves the child, the mother that loves the child. Child's gone astray. Well, there's some things that you need to learn. But you know what? You're coming back to me anyway. Reading the scriptures, reading the Vedas, will help us understand how to go through the process of becoming liberated, how and what it takes to get back home, how to stop this process of samsara, birth, death, over and over again, so many bodies, so much. Let me just say it anyway. So much arrogance of um, of souls to think that we should have exactly what the Lord is having and enjoying. Whatever the Lord enjoys, we also are the recipients. And as I said, we are here in this material universe because we wanted to be like the Lord, to have an opportunity to have the association of the devotees, to have a dom, Wonderful dom to be in. Take advantage of it so that we make this the last time that we have to travel in this world and in this mood of illusion because this is not our home. And as Srila Prabhupada would say, it's not a place for a gentleman. What to say of those that are in female bodies? Children, this is not our place. Did I answer you? I'm sorry. I, I get a little sidetracked sometimes. Thank you, Prabhu. You always have some interesting questions. I can always count on you to just dove deep into it. That's necessary. People need to hear this. Thank you so much for asking. Thank you. Okay, we'll end at this point. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Jai Shri Shri Radha Kawachanji Dham Ki Jai.